Broadcasting from Indianapolis, Indiana. USA. You're listening to Forgotten Favorites. Forgotten Favorites. On the Worldwide Legend. Visit our new website at legendoldies.com. Request a song. See what's currently playing. View the weekly schedule in your local time zone and learn more about your favorite DJs. Listen to talk shows when you want with your computer, Victor Stream, or iPhone, including All Things Radio, ATR Extra, Coffee Club, and Sports Lounge Live. Connect to our Zoom voice chat rooms to talk with us live using your computer, iPhone, or telephone. All this and much more at legendoldies.com. Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball, basketball, football, NASCAR, plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling the Conversation Station or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream, or computer. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the PIN 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devin, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, and Bill Sparks. Well, a very good evening from a very warm Indianapolis, Indiana. Hope you're doing well this week, and now it's my pleasure to turn it over to Chris. Hello, everybody. Well, this is uh, show number 42. It's May 19th, 2019, and we have a few items, but the most important item is we need to wish a happy birthday to Perry. It's Perry's birthday tomorrow, and Perry, you got any good plans, or do you know yet? I believe we may be going out for pizza tomorrow. Ah, that's a good thing. That's always and, and the good thing always, about a Monday night is always good. When you go out on a Monday night, it's kind of cool because most people aren't, so you don't have to wait around. You don't have a bunch of people in the restaurant. You know, it's kind of cool to to be doing something on a Monday night or a Monday. So uh, it's yeah. not a big, uh, which is why they they it was one of the reasons that they uh, you know they thought about different nights for the NFL back when the, it all started. They thought Monday night would be a great night for NFL football because people don't go out. It's always been a good night for TV for ratings. You know, the old days with Andy Griffith and those guys were Monday night, so uh, they kind of decided to go with that. So anyway, let's get into the present day. And um, I'm starting to sound like Jeff uh, going off in the nostalgia at a moment's notice, but I do that too. We're both old. Anyway, so um, we're, our agenda for the evening is we're going to talk about the PGA uh, tournament that ended today. Sort of have a new star. Well, he's been around for a couple of years, but he's really becoming dominant. We're going to talk about him, uh, the one today. We're going to talk a little bit about Preakness. And then we're going to do uh, the uh, basketball, the NBA, and the uh, hockey playoffs. And then we're going to do baseball. And then we have a couple of a couple of football notes. And uh, and then we'll see what else we uh, get into. And we have some qualifying. We do have some qualifying. Oh, I forgot. So the third item. I've sprouted about Indy. So we're, yes, so what we're going to do is we're going to do the PGA, we're going to do the Preakness, and then do Indy. So like the big May national sports events, because now the PGA has moved to May, so it's become part of the May calendar. So we're going to do the the big May events, and then we'll start. To, we'll go on to our uh, our basketball and hockey and so forth. And then during the uh, one of the things that's happening is uh, Perry will give us once or twice when he can uh, an update on the uh, Milwaukee uh, Toronto game, which is Game Three of that series. So anyway, Sean, why don't you talk about what's going on? All right, well, first of all, you can call in at any time, 646-876-9923, or download the Zoom app and then enter 287-723-4600, hit pound key twice. 
Uh, if you want to leave us any comments throughout the week, maybe, hey, maybe you don't want to call in. You're too busy watching and uh, checking out that season finale of American Idol or series finale of Game of Thrones. You know, hey, all that stuff. You know, 773-572-7715 is how you leave us. Comments hit the pound key when you hear the greeting and do not mark the message private. Our buddy Robert, who's off talking about boxing, he is at 773-572-7781 or ringsidereporter.com. And, of course, am I shooting the you-know-what with Sean wrestling line? I'm going to be talking about the documentary of the fabulous Moolah. I'm going to be talking about her uh, on that one. That's at 773-572-7867. So, anyway, let's get on into that. Let's start with the PGA Championship, which... Pretty much, well, for the first three days, it looked like a runaway. But then today, he slipped a little. Brooks Kefka, who his second his second uh, straight PGA Championship in a row. Uh, yep. Yesterday, he had a seven-stroke lead, but he kind of fell back to the pack, shooting a 74 today, and only only won by two strokes over Dustin Johnson. So. Yeah, Dustin Johnson got within uh, one stroke with two or three holes to go, and then he, he had a little uh, slip, and, and uh, Kepka got it back together and kind of retook control. But Kepka has won four of the last eight majors there that statistic was there and so that's he that's a that's a tiger like thing to do you know it's uh maybe not quite as dominant but he uh, and of course tiger won the fifth one so you know other guys have won some stuff you know we got jordan spieth and uh, dustin johnson and some other other people but and you know he's he's really uh, emerging as a force on the on the tour and apparently he's a really big guy i was going by yes. uh, cbs cbs sports radio today and jody mac uh, jody mcdonald was talking to somebody about it i can't remember i don't know who the guest was but just saying you know People kind of look like they, you know, Tiger looked like a safety in football. He's like a smaller guy, you know, rugged but but smaller. This guy looks like a linebacker. So you know, are they gonna? Are we gonna see bigger golfers? That was Jody Mack's uh, question to his guest, and uh, the guy said he, he thought we might. So you know, just a different uh, different style. Everybody's bigger now. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's a bigger. People grow bigger. People start off bigger. So this is the first time the PGA has been in May. And what was the reason, um, Sean? Because you were telling well, us why they move it up. There's a couple of different reasons. Number one, they are the FedEx Cup, which is the Tour Championship, basically. They it was it had been ending in October because the PGA Championship is in you know, has been in mid August. It's been ending oh early October. However, the ratings after Labor Day are down, so they decided they want to move it up so that way they can start having the playoffs for the FedEx Championship for the Cup in August. They can start having the playoffs and end it Labor Day weekend, so that maybe they'll get some interest in the tour championship. Now, the other reason is, remember, golf is now an Olympic sport. And if you remember three years ago, the first year, 2016, they had to move the PGA championship. It was only, what, two weeks after the Open, after the British Open. And so, or should I say the Open Championship? Got to be correct. That's what it, yeah, the Open Championship. It was three weeks after that, or two or three weeks ago, because they were trying to get their golfers in the Olympics. So, those two reasons are why they want this in May. Now, you may say, wait, isn't this the PGA Tour? Okay, the tour that these guys play on for these other tournaments that are not the majors, that is the PGA of North America Tour. This is PGA. It's people from all three tours, the Pacific Champions, the Pacific Tour, the European Tour, 
and the North American Tour. So it's people from all. That's It's not a tour championship, even though it's called the PGA Championship. It's basically, you know, it's the only one that's affiliated directly with the PGA because the U.S. Open is the USGA, the British Open is the Royal British, whatever, and then the Masters, of course, is, you know, their little uh, Augusta National. Okay, so that's a good uh, explanation because it's, it's like it, it snuck up on me. I found out about it like a month or two ago. It was going to be in May, and I'm like, you know, I didn't know that. Okay, so uh, I guess, and, and really, it's only four weeks away from the U.S. Open now. Of course, that's always Father's Day weekend. Father's Day weekend. And that's going to be at Pebble Beach. So uh, yes. that's where that is. So that'll be. Uh, and this was this was at Beth Page Black in Farmingdale, New York, is where this correct was. Long Island. Yep, that's right. Long Island. So, and, and, and there was quite the a wind there, the which there would be. You know, Long Island. It's a coastal. You know, you're going to have a lot of wind. It's like a British Open kind of thing when you play on these uh, coastal uh, places like Long Island. And uh, so, and in Pebble Beach, you could get some some wild weather there. You know, a windy day there, not so much rain, but you might get some wind. So we'll see how And how I they believe where the British Open is this year. I think it's, it's in Scotland, I believe, again. I don't know if it's St. Andrews. I think it is. That's kind of windy. That's the third oh, week yeah. of July. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you can always, in any of those courses, you can have wind. Okay. So I guess we should now move on to the Preakness. We don't have to spend too much time, nowhere near the amount that we spent on the Kentucky Derby a couple of weeks ago. And the winner was War of Will. And he, I picked him because he was, you know, right in the hunt. He was one of the horses that the, fi- or the uh, jockey filed a complaint uh, against uh, yeah. maximum security in, in, in the first place. So that was one of the two horses. So I figured, hey, he was in the Preakness, uh, you know, in the Derby, and there weren't too many horses that were. But the Preakness field was much bigger than it usually is. Uh, lately, when, when you've had a, a, a horse like, uh, you know, uh, the, the ones that won the triple count, crown, when they win and they win convincingly, uh, maybe you get eight or ten horses in the Preakness. We had about 13 well, horses. Yeah, usually, so. usually the Preakness has 11 scheduled. They had 13 this year. Yeah, so War of World, uh, War of Will was number one. There were a lot of um, war. There were warriors and war horses all over the place in that race. Everfast was number two, and he was a fifty to one shot. So that's quite a uh, people made some money if they had him in their in their trifectas or whatever. And then uh, Owendale was third. So and I guess and you said that there was a see. I I actually we had had a meeting, and so I was tired and I fell asleep. I missed the, the race. Well, Apparently there the was a big, riderless horse in the race for a while. Okay, there, huh? on the number nine horse, Bodie Express. Was it, was the whole, it was the whole race. The whole yeah, race. Pretty much the whole race. Yeah, the jockey fell off of Bodie Express very like I mean, the race had just started. Yeah, he fell off and the horse, coming, as he was coming out of the gate. Okay. Yeah. And he ran the whole race pretty much. They couldn't slow down. He ran the whole race, and I mean, he finished. Without the jockey. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and that does not count. Even if he would have won the race, you know, as much as you may have seen crazy things in movies, they wouldn't just say, oh, he won the race, you know, by himself. That doesn't work. You got to have a jockey on the horse. So, uh, you know, there, there you go. But uh, that, that's funny. I know I missed that. I've never heard that in a race. I knew it could happen. But uh, so, and I missed, as I say, I missed the race. So, uh, you know, I woke up and there was Dateline. So I'm like, okay, I guess I didn't make it. But anyway, so, uh, but, uh, you know, these are still, uh, you know, r- race. Race fans love these. They're still you want to win these things. Preakness and Belmont, even if there's no triple crown, there's still good stud fees for well, them. There's still good purses. Where where it helps is later on for the Breeders' Cup because the Breeders' Cup is not just three year olds. It's you're running three, four, five, usually three to six or seven year olds all running the Breeders' Cup. And if you do a good showing in one of the Breeders' Cup races. You know, if you've won and, you know, you get a good, you get a good qualification if you're one of the triple, if you win a triple crown race yeah. and it helps you 
later on if you, you know they want to breed you put you out to now we, we got horses coming back like you you could see uh, you know the uh, country house might come back down the road that was an infection that'll clear up a maximum security may run some more in his career omaha beach who didn't didn't even get into these races so you may have a kind of a, a what may look like a pretty good three-year-old field coming out of this year uh, for those who continue to follow the races after the triple crown and into the breeders cup you may see some quality horses from this this year, uh, even though the, the, we had no triple crown winner in such a strange situation at the Derby. So, you know, uh, I don't think either of them have retired. So I think that they could be back. No, so then, and I believe you may even see, I think, I don't think like, even from last year, the triple crown winner uh, justified He's a four year old. I don't think he's retired. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times they do. I know uh, American Pharaoh did. I remember that, but I don't know about justified. So anyway, so Bill has something for us with the other May event we're, we're going to have here. We had the Derby, we had the Preakness, we had the PGA is the Indy 500. And that's next Sunday on NBC TV. And of course the Indy sports radio network and stuff. And, Bill, and that, you is, some, that is new, Chris. We need to make sure people know that is new. The Indy has been on ABC for years and years and years. Yes, it was on, it was on ABC. Remember even the years, they used to show it on KBLA on Sunday night. Then when they went live, it was ABC. So it's probably going 45, almost 50 oh, yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Early, early 70s, I'd say, it got on there. Early 70s until this year, it was on the ABC. But now NBC has it. So. Yep. And I think okay. probably the question is, are they going to black it out here locally like ABC has done in every year but one, but one has done. Oh, wow. Wow, I just heard well, this. Did, they, did they not black it out because it was a, like a rain out and so they figured or something like that? They Did they put it on it a different day or something? Do, no, it had to do with the 100th anniversary or something okay. something significant or special. I don't think yeah, it would really cut down. I mean, people plan around this all year. I don't oh, see why no. they, they black it out. I think I that's think, silly. I mean, you know, they've got Colts games, they the NFL games, and I mean, everything else yeah. is... Yeah. Okay, so you've got house. you've got some sound for this uh, yes, qualifier. Uh, Let's kind of set the stage here. They do well. I'll just play it courtesy of NBC Sports. How about that? Okay. What does he have as he rounds turn four? The yacht of bricks awaits. James Hinchcliffe checkered flag is out. Great job. It was a great job, and the four-lap average is 227.5. If he makes it into this field, this will be a miraculous Alonso-style comeback that only a driver like Fernando Alonso could pull off. The two-time Formula One world champion comes to the line to complete his one and only chance, 227.2, and that was an amazingly consistent run to go second quick. Alonzo one step closer to making the race. Signing autographs. He's trying not to pay attention. He doesn't even want to look at the monitor because it'll just drive you crazy. As he comes to the checkered flag, we'll see if it falls off more. Alonso is one step closer to being in the field. Award 34th. His minimum speeds are higher than Fernando. He crosses the line to start oh, his last lap. That's fast Alonso again. 227.2 faster. If he He's can just got to hang on. Hang on, and you've knocked out Alonso. This
this 23-year-old American could deny a two-time Formula One world champion a shot at motorsports triple crown. This is one of IndyCar's smallest teams knocking over a global motorsport giant. Working turn three, he comes down below the white line, slightly high, but the car looks stable. I'm watching turn four apex speed. Minimum speed, 226 miles an hour. That's great speed. Let's listen to the radio. Yard of bricks, Kyle Kaiser. Fernando Alonso was gracious enough to speak with us earlier. At this time, he heads out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway along with McLaren. How can you wrap your mind around this, taking down a giant like McLaren? I don't think I can wrap my mind around what we just did. I, I just, like I keep saying, this is all the credit to the team. They've been working nonstop trying to get this car ready for us, and they did everything that we needed to get us in this field. So I'm so proud of them, so proud of everybody that helped make this happen. When you crashed just a couple of days ago, could you have imagined to be in this moment here and now qualifying for the Indy 500? I did imagine it, and I'm so happy that it came to fruition. But I knew it was going to be a lot of work, and the team put in the work. I did everything I could. I held my foot flat and turned when I had to, so I did everything I think I needed, and they did everything they had to do. What have these last 48 hours been like for you? The most emotional 48 hours of my life. I've been trying so hard to just keep a level head, go about my business. It's just four laps. That's all I keep telling myself, and we did it. We did it. What a run this has been from Ed Carpenter. Let's watch the back straightaway speed. We saw 237, and he just is able to get there. I see 238 even. A little high there in three. Lots of room on the exit. These are his two best corners. The car looks really stuck here, but it doesn't pull a lot of big speed down the straightaway. This is going to be the qualifying run to chase. Carpenter to the line, goes to the top, 229.889, and wife Heather is delighted with that. Easily the most consistent run we've seen today. Simon Pagano, 230.1, 230.0, 230.1. What will lap four be? There's only two cars to come. If Simon Pagano goes to the top here, he's guaranteed a front row start. The Frenchman comes to the line. Is it a fourth one in the 230s? Does he go to the top? Yes, he does. 229.992. No pole for Carpenter. Right now, so we definitely start the front row. Great job. It's going to take a big lap for him to overcome Pagano right now. He's going to have to go up into the high 230s if he has a chance, and he uses a lot of road coming onto the back straightaway. <laughs> Things starting to slide around on him. Spencer Piggott hanging on. He's going to push one of his teammates, more than likely Jones, off the front row. So he's improving. Spencer Piggott is improving on this lap ever so slightly. Is it going to be enough? It's close. It's really close. But Spencer Piggott goes third. Simon Pagano wins pole for the Indy 500. And for all of the doubters over the last year, he says, how do you like me now? That's a very special time. I guess my dad must be cornering right now. No, put him on speaker. See, it's my mom, actually. So, of course, it would be. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, I thank you to Team Chevy and uh, Menards. Menards, uh, it's incredible to be able to bring this for John. Um, obviously, last week was amazing, but this is uh, this is even more special. Um, 
the Tim and Arts team and uh, Tim Pansky has been phenomenal at giving me uh, the best equipment. Uh, I can't thank them enough and my teammates for always pushing me to the limits and all the engineers worked really well to, uh, to be able to do that. But this, this is incredible. This is the biggest race in the world. So obviously, uh, whew, I'm on cloud nine. Watch the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500, Sunday, May 26th at 11 a.m. on NBC. Well, there you go. I will say the one thing that they do on the last day is they have two different sets of qualifications on the last day. One is for the last row starters, the 11th row, 31 through 33. They give those people a chance to bump the drivers to get one shot to bump themselves back into the race. And there was like six drivers that had the shot at that position for the last three. And then the top nine speeds from yesterday, top nine qualifiers, go out today again and have a chance to better their position. And this is kind of what happened today. So it makes for some pretty good racing. And yeah, isn't okay. isn't there isn't there a station ten seventy in Indianapolis, Bill? They pretty much all this week they do indie coverage pretty much constantly. Pretty much wall to wall ten seventy. The fan one oh seven. Now they're calling themselves one oh seven five. But anyway, same thing. Uh, he has you know the fan ten seventy. If you're using one of your devices, we'll get that for you, and you get wall to wall indie racing coverage they don't use the talent like they used to use the on-air talent as much i've noticed they've kind of switched talent this year and it's dropping off and they're bringing in new voices and but in the indie uh the network the indycar network is not broadcasting quite as much as they have in years past so we'll see what that's like next week but i thought you might want a little slice of indy today one of the things that happens on saturday mornings hold that question for those who who have sirius xm remember it indy does not or at least they haven't in the past they don't allow their stuff to be streamed on the sirius xm app so you would have to have a radio if you want to hear that on on sirius xm Okay, and another thing I wanted to point out is, I don't know if they're going to do it again this year, but I know they've done it on the Saturdays before the race. You can go tune in, and there there's race highlights that have been put together an hour for each race. I've gone back uh, like at 9 on a Saturday morning and heard the 1953 Indy 500, you know, and all these races that Sid Collins and all those guys did, you know, and maybe uh, 1960 or whatever. They, they have some of the highlights from some of the, the races where some significant things happened. And uh, so those are fun to listen to. And, you know, then it moves up into the 70s and 80s and, and all that. But I like those old ones because I remember listening to them, not 53. I wasn't around yet. But from 57 on, I did listen. And uh, I remember those races. So. I was listening in 1961. Basically, is my first race I remember fully. Probably listened before, but 1961. And haven't missed I don't think a race ever since. So there you yeah. go. Well, now, like I said, I missed also, yesterday's Preakness. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. Also, I believe they also run not necessarily as much coverage on WIBC, but the race and a lot of you know the race day coverage they simulcast on WIBC. I believe also. Mm-hmm. True, you're right. John. Okay, so I guess we can move on to the NBA here, and uh, we'll see. Now, when we last left you, Toronto and Philadelphia were playing Game Seven of the uh, playoffs uh, of their series. And that was to determine who was going to face the Milwaukee Bucks. 
and we had uh, history. Apparently, he was the first buzzer beater in NBA seventh game history. And our friend Dave, uh, who was uh, in our group, was wondering about that. Well, when you think about seven seven uh, buzzer beaters in the NBA, there's maybe one or two per season in for each team. You know that they either win or lose. So when you figure there aren't that many seventh games, because I mean this year we hardly had any. We had uh, we've had like three, I think, in the NBA this year. So it, it really isn't that surprising, but it, it really was something where Kawhi Leonard took that shot and bounced on the rim four times, finally bounced in, and I was listening to the Tom McGinnis, the 76ers uh, call, and he was amazed. It was unbelievable, he said. So Toronto beat uh, won that game 92-90 to last Sunday night. Uh, would have been overtime if he hadn't hit that. So uh, then um, well, the Kevin Harlan call for that was really interesting. All this is Kevin Harlan, uh, not Reggie Miller. Was it uh, Chris Weber with him or whoever was with him? Who, all but it's like he just goes in. He goes, the shot is up. Game series. Toronto Raptors win. <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. Game series. That's all he needed to say. Yeah. Like, and, so you know. so now uh, Milwaukee is uh, leading Toronto two games to none, and they're playing right now. And uh, Perry, do you have a Toronto score for us? Or with not? with nine thirty to go in the third quarter, it is Toronto sixty three and Milwaukee fifty six. Okay, so Toronto trying to uh, pull back into that series, make it a make it a, a, a series again, because Milwaukee beat Toronto on uh, Friday night, one twenty five to one hundred three. So big time. Uh, blow out there. In the West, uh, we had uh, Golden State take a 2 nothing lead last night, beating Portland 110-99. to And tomorrow at uh, 9 Eastern time, they will play uh, Game 3 in Portland. So we'll see what happens with that. Then we no, got no, it was Game 4. No, last yeah, game night was four. Game, last, last night was Game oh, 3. Last, you know, last night was Game 3? Uh, game uh, 3? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, last night was right. game three. It's game four. Yeah, last night okay. was game three. Yeah, that's right, because they started later. a day earlier. Uh, the, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Saturday. Yep. Okay, so then uh, the the um, Trailblazers need to win or they don't, they'll go home for the summer. That'll be it. So uh, there's a couple of NBA notes, and this one mystified me because I don't understand why you would do this. John Beeline, coach of the Michigan Wolverines, leaves the, a team where he had been in the final four a couple of years ago, you know, not this past season, that was Michigan state, but the one before, you know, Michigan's a, a good basketball school, good basketball tradition. Yeah. Football dominates, but it's not like uh, nobody cares about it to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. What is the story behind that? The, the story that I have heard Chris, and of course living in big 10 country, you hear these things is that he was, he was just, he had had enough of all of the quote unquote cheating, you know, because he's always done it the right way. And all these people seem to get further by cheating. So he figured, you know what, he's done this and that at Michigan. So give the NBA a shot. He okay. had nothing else. That's what I've heard. He, he, he felt he had nothing left to prove at Michigan. Well, it's fine, but I would think you didn't wouldn't want to just because you don't want to move doesn't mean you have to move to Siberia. And when you go to Cleveland, like who wants to go to Cleveland right now of the top players and who you know uh, they didn't do great in the in the draft lottery. We'll run that down in a minute. I've got that all written down here. We'll go through uh, that. I mean, they did okay, but not great. So I don't know. It's just. And the owner's been a little bit strange over the years, you know. Ask LeBron about uh, his relationship with him. So I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like you know when when. Um, when uh, Brad Stevens left to come to the Celtics or something like that, you could see it because Danny Ainge was, you know, a, a really good GM. And you say, okay, they can maybe put something together. And and he was moving from a smaller college market, you know, from uh, from uh, Butler. But uh, this, okay, well, we'll see what happens. He may end up going back to college after a couple of years of this. This often does not work out well. Sometimes it does. But, you know, Rick Pitino didn't do great in the pros. John Calipari didn't, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. And speaking, speaking, Chris, uh, speaking, Chris, of uh, Rick Pitino, 
he is apparently one of the names that is being floated for the Michigan job. I can't imagine that Michigan would want to go from a beeline to someone like a no, no, no yeah. I don't think so. So the lottery well, actually the big the the main candidate is actually the leading candidate right now. They're saying Texas coach Shaka Smart, but he okay. knows like two or three. Yes, Texas. He's the leading candidate. So they're looking at Shaka Smart, uh, Rick Pitino, Jawan Howard is another candidate that they're looking okay. at in Michigan. Yeah. All right. So the lottery, this is the way it all came down. Thanks to Sean for putting this out on Tuesday night, because I did not see this. But number four, 14 was the Celtics uh, via Sacramento. They got that uh, the Sacramento pick, and uh, it was as low as they could get. Uh, they got nowhere on that uh, this, this year, so that's their pick for that. 13 would be the Miami Heat. Uh, Charlotte at number 12. Minnesota, the 11th pick. Atlanta, the 10th pick from Dallas. It was a Dallas Maverick pick originally. Uh, Washington picked, got the ninth pick. Uh, Atlanta, the eighth pick, which is their own. The Chicago Bulls, pick number seven. Phoenix, pick number six, even though they had a really bad team, but they ended up with uh, uh, six. Cleveland at five. Again, nothing, uh, no great shakes there. The Lakers at four. Now we're starting to get into the good stuff. The Knicks at three. Memphis at two. And New Orleans at one, and I guess it, there's not. It's not clear. I guess they're going to probably draft Zion uh, Williamson anyway, whether he stays there or tra- they trade him or whatever. That seems to be the rumor. That is, is that the rumor. And, yeah, and one of the rumors that you're hearing now is that Anthony Davis may have decided, hey, you know, if they bring in Zion and you know try to get a team, I might be willing to stay here. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Now, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson has not signed an agent, but that does not mean that he's necessarily going back to school. There's that rumor that hey, maybe he'll go back to school. No, just because he didn't sign an agent does well, not mean. And his stepfather told ESPN that he will play for the Pelicans. Okay. So, uh, and then the only other NBA note we have is that there'll be no replacement for Magic Johnson as president. Uh, that was sort of a Magic-created job. So Rob uh, Palenka will be the uh, GM and report directly to uh, Jeannie Buss and uh, the Laker ownership. So that's... Jeannie Buss and the Rambuses. And the Rambuses, yeah, yes. Yeah, Linda right. Rambus is running the team. A lot, a lot of, yeah, a lot of geometry there. It sounds like, uh, you know, Rambuses. I think they're Rambuses in geometry. Okay, so for the um, the NHL, and I found out something interesting. I don't even remember who told me this, and I heard it somewhere over the weekend, and I checked it out, and it's true. We've been talking about if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, they would, they would be three championships here at the same time because the Patriots and Red Sox are already champions. And we said we couldn't remember any time. Well, we can't remember it, but I found out. Somebody told me, and it might have been our friend Shane on, uh, on, a, on a line uh, phone line last night. But anyway, I found out that the, the Detroit Tigers won the World Series in 1935 over the Cubs, four games to three. I, the the Lions beat the Giants twenty six to seven in the championship game. Miss A confirmed all this, and uh, so that made them champions at the same time. That was at University of Detroit Stadium. I'm sure they don't even have a they don't have a football team, so I guess no, the stadium's gone. Team. You know, and then on in, in 1936, in the spring, the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup. So there were, starting in the spring of 36 until, well, I guess, the next World Series or whatever, there were three champions in Detroit. So good for Detroit. Detroit has had uh, many struggles in the years uh, recently and hasn't had much going at all in any of their uh, teams. But uh, they, they had a golden era there for about a year. 
So, um, you know, and they, of course, had other great teams, but we can remember Tigers and Lions to some degree and uh, certainly uh, the Red Wings and Pistons. But so that's kind of interesting. Didn't didn't know it had ever happened before. But if it happens with the Bruins and uh, Patriots and uh, Red Sox, uh, that'll be, uh, you know, repeating history. So in the NHL playoffs, we had the uh, the Bruins eliminate Carolina four games to none with a uh, four nothing victory on uh, Thursday night. And so they're waiting, and they were, their first game against somebody, we'll find out, we'll talk about that in a minute, will be on Memorial Day night. I think it'll be the first time the Bruins will have ever played on Memorial Day, if I can remember rightly. And uh, so they will be playing at the TD Garden, and they'll have home advantage. The only thing I know about the schedule is that they start on Memorial Day, and that if there's a seventh game, it will be played on June 12th. And this, the schedule for the finals always gets a little crazy because they always try, both both the NHL and the NBA, uh, I think the NHL works around the NBA kind of, but the NBA doesn't doesn't want to play the same night as the NHL and vice versa. You know, so for a couple of weeks, you pretty much every night have a final game. Not every night, but mostly. And, uh, you know, they, they're on different nights. So we'll see how that all works out when uh, the schedules all come out. But I, I know the seventh game would be June 12th uh, at the Garden if uh, there is such a thing. And the other half of uh, what's going on in the West St. Louis today killed the San Jose Sharks five to nothing and took a three games to two lead. And this was in San Jose. Perry, did you listen to any of that? I did. <laughs> so it, it, and it was a dominating performance. Yes. Yes. I, from the little, I didn't hear much of it, but it was a dominant performance and uh, boy. And when you do that on the road, that's a big, that's a lot for the Sharks to overcome. So they will in play a lot two- of ways in a, way, a lot of ways, Chris, I think the blues have certainly exceeded expectations in, in the, oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And they're going to be, you know, I mean, this is a real finals appearance. The, they have been in the finals three times. You look back at the statistics and it says, oh, yes, they were in the finals three years in a row in 68, 69, and 70. What a juggernaut they must have been. Well, a juggernaut in the Pee Wee League. They were playing the other expansion teams. And they would, you know, uh, they won. The, they didn't win. the. Uh, I remember they didn't get first place the first year. They came in, I think, uh, third, but they beat the Flyers, whatever. They ended up uh, getting uh, into the finals. But they're 0-12 in the finals because they played the Canadians two years in a row and the Bruins in 70, and they were swept all, all three times. So, you know, that was really like they, they had to change that, and they did when they they moved the Blackhawks over into that division so you could have a real final with, with uh, the finals were Andy Klimak because you knew the Bruins and Canadians were going to win. But this is a real final team. I mean, they go this time, it's really going to be uh, a team that's going to, you know, have a legitimate chance. So uh, we'll see what happens. And they're going to play game six Tuesday at eight. So no matter what, even if they win on Tuesday, they'll get – the Bruins will have had quite a long, you know, 11 days off, and the Blues will get about six days off too if they can win it on Tuesday. So, um, and the story I heard with the Bruins and all, and I heard this from a buddy of mine who lives here, who's from Boston, who's a hockey guy. He told me this, that apparently with the week and a half off, the Bruins to keep in shape are bringing in the Boston university hockey team to play them in an actual full game, the BC hockey team and the champion Minnesota Duluth. They were bringing them in to actual keep them in game shape. For those, you know, that eleven-day well, layoff. Hope, I hope there's. I hope they're a little bit like the All-Star Game, and that nobody gets hurt. One of the famous stories in Boston history was that they had to wait for the Cardinals and Dodgers in '46 to play a uh, a playoff, which was a three-game playoff. And nowadays, the team would just wait. You know, you just wait for the other league to be done and, and you know go on. But they played, uh, you know, the Braves or whatever in an exhibition game, and Ted Williams got hurt. And then they lost the world. Ted Williams didn't have a good series, and they lost in seven games to the Cardinals. And, you know, maybe if they hadn't done that, they, that wouldn't have happened. So, you you know, be careful on that yeah. stuff. But, you know, hopefully they'll it'll be sort of like the All-Star game. So I think that's uh, it on hockey. So we can go to baseball. Do we have any callers? 
We do. We have one. Let's say hi to Jerry. Okay, hey, Jerry. I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit on the Indianapolis 500 and our domination on ABC. Uh, Bill, you might be interested. 1961 is when I became aware of it, too. That and the Triple Crown and horse racing. But that's neither here nor there. I can remember my father used to get so mad because it wasn't on television. I remember listening to Sid Collins on the radio. And then the next week, like in 63 and stuff, it was on ABC's Wide World of Sports. And my father said, don't tell me who won. Don't tell me who won. <laughs> okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert, as they call it nowadays, huh? Okay. Yep. Well, there you are. Okay. So for baseball, <clears throat> we will start, of course, with the standings going into today's action. Then we'll have the finals. And then we're going to talk a little college baseball for a brief uh, minute. And uh, so we're starting in the American so Pierre, League. If you're listening, Pierre, if you're listening, if you want to talk about the SEC, come on in. That's right, because we're going to run down the uh, the schedule for the SEC tournament. We don't have other conferences. It would be nice if we did, but we don't. But we'll give you some SEC because uh, there's going to be a lot of college baseball played in the next week or so, week and a half. I know uh, usually the NCAA tournament uh, pairings are announced, what is it, Memorial Day? Memorial so, Day, Memorial yeah. Noon Eastern. Right, so busy week. American League East starting today's action. Toronto at 20, uh, Toronto, yeah, Tampa, they, they, should, <laughs> they could wish. Tampa Bay at 27-16. The Yankees at 27 and 17, but you'll hear later the Yankees beat them. So the Yankees took uh, first place back. They've been jockeying for position here and had two uh, good series, actually. The, the six games they played, Yankees won four to uh, Tampa Bay, won two. But the, a lot of the games were pretty close. Not today, but, um, you know, so it was, you know, they're, they're both stake their claims. Red Sox uh, won, a, won a game today, uh, but yet going into today, they were 23 22, which would, would have uh, put them uh, four, uh, let's see, five games behind uh, Tampa Bay. Toronto at 18 and 27 and Baltimore at 15 and 30. So we have some, as, as we say every week, we have some bad teams in the central. Minnesota continues to roll 30 and 15. Hey, that's a pace to win the 108 games like the Red Sox did last year. Cleveland at 24 and 20. And so that's uh, what five and a half out for the Indians. Chicago hanging in like Sox 21, 23. Tigers starting to slide a little bit at 18 and 26 and Kansas City at 15 and 31. In the West, Houston, yeah, thirty-one and fifteen again. Uh, and we we all pick them to win the pennant, and they really look like they may. They're they're really tough. Uh, they came in here, won two out of three against the Red Sox this weekend, and uh, they'll play again next weekend. So Houston at thirty-one and fifteen, already an eight and a half game lead over the Angels at 22-23. Oakland at twenty-two twenty-five, and Texas twenty and twenty-three, and Seattle at twenty-two and twenty-six. Yes, those Mariners who are thirteen and two now twenty two and twenty six nine and twenty four six then since then in the National League Philadelphia leading the East at twenty six and nineteen the Braves were twenty five and twenty one so that'd be a game and a half out the Mets and we're going to be talking about them in a minute they are twenty uh, going in we're twenty and twenty four Washington at nineteen and twenty six and the Marlins at twelve and thirty one but hey. If they could play the Mets all the time, uh, they might do better. In the Central, we have the Cubs at 26 and 17, Milwaukee at 27 and 21, so a game and a half out there. Pittsburgh at 23 and 20. Pittsburgh had a good weekend too. St. Louis 24 and 22, and Cincinnati not doing bad for a team that's uh, rebuilding at 21 and 25. And in the West, the Dodgers are 30 and 17, Arizona 25 and 21, so four and a half out. San Diego 23 and 23, so six and a half out. Colorado at 20 and 24 and San Francisco 19 and 25. So the finals for today, 
the Red Sox beat Houston four to three. So that was a game that uh, kind of one of those, not a must or anything like that, but it's a game you, you really need to have some confidence against uh, your other rivals that you're, if you're going to be potentially a postseason rival and you needed to win today and get that one. The Chris Sale did not uh, figure in the decision. He pitched uh, fairly well, but they gave they had some walks and uh, the bullpen uh, was able to get it done and they beat the Astros four to three coming from behind. The Yankees clobbered Tampa Bay, pulled away 13 to five. That was a back and forth for about the first four innings, but then the Yankees really, uh, really hung it on uh, the Rays and retook first place, as I said. Philadelphia beat Colorado seven to five. I guess Oakland and Detroit must have been rained out. Miss A didn't exactly say, but they said it the next was a, were- as, as I understand, it was a, the last I had heard, it was a rain delay in the seventh inning. And I, Oakland was, yeah. I believe Oakland was ahead in that game. Okay, because Miss A, yeah. you know, didn't talk about we, we, She won't tell you, it becomes a secret event when it becomes a rain delay with her. Then we had uh, Miami beating the Mets, and this is what we're going to talk about. Three to nothing. The Mets went into Miami and lost all three games. It's the first sweep Miami has had of any kind since 2017. That's how bad they've been and uh, what have you you're hearing on the, the mickey calloway mess managers in trouble right that's the latest word is they the uh on friday night apparently what really set this into motion a they're not doing well but what really set it into motion is in the seventh inning there was one out and robinson cano don't you know yeah. hit a ball back to the pitcher and didn't run it out and his excuse was that he thought there were two outs so, but what's then, that got to do with it? Well, uh, that's his, that's what he said, and he said he it didn't want to make the third. He didn't want to make the third out at first base. He'd rather make it back by the by the plate. Okay, right. whatever. But anyway, the rumor is that you know that that Callaway could be out as early as this week. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That'll that'll uh, stir up uh, Mike Francesa and Michael Kay and everybody else. They'll 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 have fun with that tomorrow. The Dodgers beat the Reds today, eight to three. Cleveland clobbered the hapless Orioles ten to nothing. Milwaukee beat Atlanta three to two in ten innings. We had Toronto over Chicago five to two. White Sox, of course. Toronto beat the White Sox five to two. Texas beat the Cardinals five to four. Cardinals have really struggled the last couple of weeks. What's going on with that? And that was a ten inning game. Oh yes, that's right. I see that here, Ben. But that what's going on? The Cardinals have really played badly the last couple yeah, of weeks. They, they really they have since they, since they, they had the Cubs. Since they had that Cubs series, they've not come back from that. No, Seattle uh, finally won a game. They beat Minnesota seven to four. Pittsburgh won, uh, I guess, three out of four this weekend in San Diego. Beat the Padres six to four. Kansas City over the Angels five to one. San Francisco beat Arizona three to two on a Pablo Sandoval home run in, in the tenth inning. And what we have any info on the Cubs game? We do. In the bottom of the fifth, the Cubs are beating the Nationals four to nothing. Kyle Hendricks continues his masterful pitching over the past four games. Okay. And then we have the lineup for the SEC tournament. And again, this is, starts on Tuesday. Where is the tournament, Perry? The tournament is in Hoover, Alabama at the AA yes. Baseball Stadium. Okay, and but it's these are all Eastern times apparently is what they have on the uh, website, even though that's probably in Central Time Zone. But anyway, okay, so here we go the SEC brackets, and if we had the other conferences, we'd give them to you, but we don't, so we yeah. can't. SEC on uh, Tuesday at ten thirty in the morning. If you like baseball, at, uh, you know, pretend it's Patriots Day. You can listen to a baseball game ten thirty in the morning. We have Florida, the eleven seed against Texas A and M. These are single elimination in the first round, so that's the eleven seed Florida Gators against Texas A&M. There's Mr. Amazon. At 2 o'clock, on, um, we have the 10 seed Missouri against Mississippi, the 7 seed. 
5.30. The 9-seed Tennessee takes on the 8-seed Auburn at 9 uh, Eastern time. The 12-seed South Carolina takes on the 5th-seed LSU Tigers. And we'll get to Pierre after we run this down, and we'll find out what he thinks about the Tigers' chances this year. Uh, for Wednesday, now we're into double elimination territory starting on Wednesday. Uh, and so round two begins with at 10.30 a.m. we have uh, the Georgia uh, Bulldogs are number three. They're uh, playing the winner of the Florida-Texas A&M game. Then uh, the next time is to be determined. Arkansas, the number two seed, will play the winner of the Missouri-Mississippi game. Then you have at 5.30 we have the, uh, uh, the one seed, Vanderbilt Commodores, against the winner of the Tennessee-Auburn game, the 8-9 game. And then the four seed Mississippi State uh, Bulldogs, because you got to have a bunch of Bulldogs, a bunch of Tigers, and uh, they're going to play the winner of the South Carolina LSU game. And so, uh, and of course, now we've got two SEC fans in here, in Perry and Pierre. So, Pierre, why don't you start us off? Well, before before we get to that, I'll just let you know the Big Ten and ACC do similar formats: single elimination, double uh, the bit and. The Big 12, which they play there is in Oklahoma City, they do pool play. They break them into two groups of four, and the winners play on Sunday of the two pool. Of course, only nine teams play baseball in the Big 12. Iowa State does not. So uh, Texas, of course, went from being in Omaha to not even make a tournament this year. So, And the Pac-12 has no tournament. Uh, you know, a lot of... A lot of the others, the West Coast, they basically, a lot of these do the pool play. The West Coast does, Conference USA, America, Big East, a lot of them are going to and, that and pool the Big play. Ten, and, and the Big Ten will be on the Big Ten network, obviously. Yes. Okay. And the, and the other 12, thing to notice is two teams did not make the tournament. We had 12 teams there, as you heard. And the two top teams in other sports, Kentucky, your top basketball school isn't going, and Alabama, your top football school isn't and, going. So, and, that so, yeah, is, and, you know, and you know what, Pierre, that is very unusual Kentucky is a very good baseball school normally. Right. Yeah, yeah and really. The, and the ACC will be on your regional NBC sports, you know, formerly CSN, whatever. It'll be in our, the uh, Big 12 will be on the Fox College Sports Network, and then, of course, end up on Fox Sports 1. The Big East will be on Fox Sports 1 and some of the Fox Sports regionals. Uh, like I said, Pac-12, they will just play regular season games, and the tournaments, the selection show for the NCAA tournament is at noon Eastern on ESPNU Memorial Day, uh, noon Eastern. So, right. Well, the thing, the thing I want go ahead, Pierre. The thing I want to talk, to talk about today was the Mets game. Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back today was the Mets had a guy on first base, and the batter hit a a base hit. Now, the runner said he thought it was a foul ball, so he never moved off of first base, and they wound up with two men on first base, uh, and it was a double play. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing that they tell you when you get into the Little League and onward is don't umpire the game. Just, you don't know. If you don't know, assume it's fair. Assume you've got to exactly. run. You know, you, you, that's what you do. That's foolish. But like I told Teresa, you run to second, and if it is a, a, a foul ball, you just go back to first. That's you right. You go back. Yeah, I mean, right. it made no sense. No. So, okay. Now, so now with, this with this tournament, though, Pierre, I don't know about you. I, I I, think the SEC, as always, any of those teams could win that tournament. Right. Anybody can win it, yes. Uh, because I because have, I remember a t remember a couple of, was it in 2012, was it? Mississippi State came from nowhere, and they had to play the play-in round and won the whole thing. Right. But uh, this year, there's nobody – 
that really has a great win win loss. Uh, you know, uh, they're all pretty close. They no, are those the, records. They, those the records record. were in the. I didn't give the records or anything, but those were in. The, everybody was over five hundred, I think, for their regular yeah. season. Yeah, going all and, it's, close. and it's very likely that most, if not all, of those tournaments will be in the NCAA anyway. Yeah, I know. And and because if you if you think about it, the eleven seed Florida and A and M, the six seed, I believe their record was either the same or one game difference. Oh wow! I think it was okay. a one-game difference. I believe it was. And like I said, they're projecting at least ten teams from the SEC in the tournament. Uh, maybe all twelve. The Big Twelve have heard only four teams possibly get. The Big Ten could have more teams than the Big Twelve, and that hasn't happened in a while. But the Big Twelve's down now. For those of you that are wondering, the NCAA tournament it is a field of sixty-four. So what they do, they have 16 regions of four, double elimination. And then your top eight regions, they, they pair two regions against each other. So the second week, let's say the one, the, one, the one overall seed, their region, would play the 16 overall seed, their region, in a best two of three. And then they go on to Omaha. So it goes 64 to 16 and then down to eight that goes to Omaha. Right. So for those that are wondering. Okay. And then, and, and we'll, as the weeks go on, uh, cause it's going to take two or three weeks to get this settled. People explain, these guys will explain to you about the double eliminations and, and all that stuff. So I think we can move on now to the NFL. We got a, a, a note in the NFL that came out of the blue on Tuesday where Mike McCagnan, the general manager of the Jets, after putting a team together for a couple of years that people think is pretty, you know, pretty good. It has some potential with mm-hmm. Sam Darnell and, you know, with the guy that picked up Darnell and they picked up the guy from uh, Alabama, the defensive lineman. Well, he's out as GM. The problem is, is Christopher Johnson, who owns the team, has the GM and the coach report separately to him. This is a ridiculous way to run. This is They're doing the same thing. When you have a company and you have a marketing department, a sales department, and the production department, they all report separately to the head of the company, and that's fine because they're doing different things. You know, sales, and then he helps them coordinate sales and marketing and then, you know, get it to production and make it, make it work for production so they can put the product out. That's what you do. But this is two of the same department. It's a football department with two guys reporting. Yeah. And Adam Gase, is the guy who got uh, this uh, Christopher Johnson's ear. And so he didn't like the way that uh, this team was being put together, apparently. He just got The Le'Veon Bell thing in particular, he didn't like. Right. And he is a coach with not a great resume. He's 23 and 25. He is 0-1 in the postseason. You know, he coached three years in Miami. What did Miami do? Well, there you go. 23 wins, 25 losses. That's what they did. Uh, They picked him up right away so fast that you would think that, the you know, uh, Bill Parcells had been fired or, or Bill Belichick. I mean, they picked him up so fast that, like, you know, they didn't even think about it. It was like two days, and they got this guy. And so here he is. And he's now saying he's going to put, put the team. He's the acting general manager now. So what he'll do is he'll bring in somebody that he can control. And so now it's Adam Gates' team, but it's not a team that he put together. So how's this going to set with all the players? It's typical Jets. This is why the Jets don't win. They, 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 you can't have a structure like this. It's ridiculous. And, and for those who don't know, what Adam Gase is really known for is he coached Peyton Manning at you know part in some of his career. That's really what the what he's known for. 
What they said was that he coached him his last year when Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl, but he also coached him the next year when Peyton Manning fell off the cliff. Well, Peyton, then you can't blame that on him. The guy was you know, 40 years old or whatever he was. Yeah. That, that's not. But the point is, if you want to look at it, and this was because I was listening, uh, the Yankees were playing that day, so Mike Francesa was not. So I listened to Michael Kay and uh, and uh, Don LaGreca and whoever they have with them, and uh, they, they gave some really good analysis of this, and they were just flabbergasted. They said this is as dumb as any move the Knicks ever made. So, you know, with Phil Jackson, and you know, when they fired him right after he drafted the folks, you know, he had put just put his team. What, what horrible timing. If you want to get rid of your coach, as they did with Todd Bowles, then go out and get a new general manager and a new coach or try to find one guy who can do the job or whatever you want to do. Now, the one thing I did hear is, uh, and I forget where he was, uh, Scott Paoli left his job. And now whether that has anything to do with anything, I don't know. Uh, but he left his job. I think, uh, you know, that could be for personal reasons. I forget, I think he was in Atlanta or something. So uh, we'll see if that means anything or not. But then another thing to, and this was something that just, just to tell you the kind of people who are in, in the sport and we don't even know about them as if you're in the other part of the country, there's a guy named Dick Tomey who was a longtime head coach and I never even heard of him. Uh, he, he, uh, was 80 years old and he just died. Uh, he was, um, Let's see. He he was a head coach at Hawaii from '77 to '86, and then in Arizona, Arizona from '87 to 2000, and then uh, San Jose State from '05 to '09. He was an assistant at these schools, and I'm not going through the years, but I had our friend David put him in Miami of Ohio, Northern Illinois, Davidson, Kansas, UCLA, the 49ers for a year, uh, Texas. And then he came back as a Hawaii special team coach uh, later on. Yeah he, yeah, he was under, he was in Texas. That's what he's, you know, big. And during the years, of course, when they won the national, you know, winning the national championship into, into that, or right going into the national championship under those years. And a lot of people, you know, looked at him very highly. I mean, he was, you know, he was more known. He had the head coaching job. He was more known as that assistant to come in on your staff and help kind of right. clean things up. Very, and he had a record, very, a re- good record of 183 and 145 and seven. So that's not a very, bad if, any he, caller, he if anybody has anything, by the way, you got about a minute because then we got to let Sean do his, uh, his uh, statistics. And then, and he was five and three in bowls. So here's a guy that I never heard of. Now I, I, I'm in the East and you know, he was out West and all that. And I get that. But just the idea of somebody could coach that long on in the major college sport. And you know, have have that good a record? Good and, record. Yeah, good he died. Coach, he so. died of, yeah, he died of lung cancer a week ago Friday. I didn't bring it up last week because mainly it was he was you know around here they talked about it because it was a national. I was a local story because because of him being here. I didn't hear a right. lot on the national. No, and, and, but uh, our friend David put it in, and I figured, you know, it's right. somebody like that who's put in that much time to a sport and and been that successful, and it ought to be Matt, mentioned once in a while. Mac Brown thought he was one of he said he talked about he was one of his favorite assistants to work for, work with. So how much time we got? We are de- we are about at uh, by my count, Bill. We're at about a two minute warning. We are about okay. at the. Um, you have exactly yeah. You're at the two minute warning. Two All right. Well, warning. Why don't we just okay. let Sean do his thing then? And you can go slow. Right, take well, your time, Sean. All right. First of all, we want to thank everybody for uh, listening. Those of you, whether you're listening live or whether you're listening on the podcast. And remember, all of you and your friends that are all off watching this American Idol or the series finale, Game of Thrones, the, the ball game, you know, whatever all you're watching. Hey, 
you know, you can tell them they can check out this award-winning sports talk show at legendoldies.com or going to worldwide, all one word, space legend in your podcatcher and then selecting Sports Lounge Live or go into your Lady A or any other smart device and say play a worldwide legend podcast and keep saying next till you get to the Sports Lounge or 773-572-7715. That's the other place. And when you're listening on there, uh, you can hang up and call back in and continue listening from where you left off. And that is also where you can leave your comments, questions, criticisms. Just hit pound key. Do not mark it private so we can all hear it. And hey, we'll address it next week. Uh, there's a couple things we didn't get to this week, but it's not urgent. Uh, so we want to thank everybody for their support for all these 42 episodes. We're going to be here Memorial Day weekend. We'll be tailgating, getting ready to remember the veterans, talking about Indy, talking about Coca-Cola 600. And we'll uh, talk about Perry's pizza, too. Find, find out how he yeah, did we'll on find that out about Perry's, trip Yeah, we'll find out about that pizza, <laughs> and we'll be talking about some championships in the NBA and NHL, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have the final.